Maddie and I are huge avocado fans, so we are super excited to announce that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by the Avo Tree. So these guys deliver the tastiest and freshest possible avocados direct from the orchard right to your doorstep. They also provide the best tips and tricks for how to care for your fruit so you can get the best out of your avos. Plus, every avocado is literally hand-picked to order, which means they're helping to reduce unnecessary supermarket waste caused by all those disappointing bruised avos we don't end up using. So we get one of their boxes delivered every fortnight, and to be honest, I don't think we'll ever go back to buying supermarket avocados. Just good quality, fresh avos delivered straight to your door. Howdy guys, welcome along to another great potty today. Uh, Today we're actually speaking with an old friend of mine. An old, old (laughs) wooden ship. (laughs) That's an Anchorman reference in case you don't know and... He's not a ship, though. He's a person. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so Jim's an old buddy of mine, and uh, I, I met him when I was working in the mines in Western Australia way back in the day. He's since um, gone WA. on. And yeah, yeah, he's since gone on to do a whole bunch of other things, which we cover on the podcast. But he is now the founder of a business called The Untamed Entrepreneur. And he is basically a life coach, business coach, uh, mentor sort of guy that helps out a lot of people. What? Sort of guy. <laughs> he is a sort of guy. Anyway, he's a jack of all trades and he's a great guy. And today in the podcast, we talk about all sorts of different things. I mean, exercise, fitness, diet. We talk about finding your passion. We talk about not finding your passion. Oh, we talk about flow states, which is quite interesting, I found. Yeah, and he gives a lot of really great tips on how to find your passion and how to find what you want to do in life and that it's never too late because I think a lot of people during the whole COVID pandemic have started to reevaluate what it is that they're actually doing and are they living their purpose and what even does that mean? So we explore that a little bit today and I think you guys are really, really going to love it. So here's Jim. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. I can't do thumbs up. This is mostly audio, isn't it? I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, this is more of an audio podcast, so Good, thumbs up doesn't my, quite my, For those work. listening, Jim just did a thumbs up, yeah. and we do appreciate that. And it was a really good thumbs up as well. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me, guys. The thumb was well up. So, hey, whereabouts are you right now? I'm in a ski town called Bansko in Bulgaria. Mm. And how long have you been there? Uh, we've been in Bansko since the end of January, like mid to end of January. Um, before that, we were in uh, another city in Ban- in Bulgaria called Plovdiv for about three and a half months last autumn. Or oh, right. well, Northern Hemisphere autumn, your guys, uh, the opposite, spring. Spring. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. <laughs> you got one for chance. <laughs> hey, so just a little um, a bit of history here. I met you, Jim, uh, well, we met each other probably about eight or nine years ago uh, over in Western Australia. We met in the middle of uh, the Red Desert working on a mine site. Um, It was a pop-up village just in the middle of nowhere. I was managing a gym and you were a maintenance man. You were kind of, and then a a bar man. You were an odd job. Yeah, that was about as good as it got. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then, then you've transitioned into a whole nother life. Can you give us a bit of a, a bit of a background on you, where where you are now, but but how you got to where you are? 
How long is this Just podcast? Just a couple of sentences. Oh, right. Okay. N- not, lo- not long enough. <laughs> Just I, uh, a real condensed version, please. I am, I am fairly verbose, but not particularly interesting or concise. Um, I'll do my best. Um, gosh, I didn't realise it was eight or nine years ago. And you weren't managing a gym. You were sunbathing around the pool. And I was, I was, I <laughs> was, was part of the job. I was collecting bins. The budgie smugglers, they were part of your uniform, were they? Yeah, sure. Ish- yeah, issued on the first day. <laughs> Along with the hard hat and your steel cap boots. Exactly. Yeah, and the coconut oil. Oh, there was, oh, there was a calendar thing, I think. I was just jealous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a lot, ha- a lot of water has passed under the bridge since then. I didn't realize it was so long ago. So I lived, I stayed in Australia for five years in total. I, I went there for the mining, not for that work in particular, trying to get sponsored. I ended up getting sponsored by an engineering uh, business, which is a long story and probably another podcast episode in itself. Um, and then I stayed there and then I, well, what was I doing? I was basically climbing the ranks. I'd, be, I'd finally become a an adult and had a corporate job and ended up working behind a desk and doing all the things that I thought I'd never want to do. And I was 26 and this is my first proper job. Um, so just after we met and then I realized, ah, this isn't going the way I wanted it to. And I'm sort of climbing the ladder and, 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 you know, being successful in a way, but becoming more and more miserable as I was going on and like chained myself to a desk. I wasn't inspired by the industry, by the people I was helping, by any of that stuff. And Eventually, I was like, no, this, this isn't going to this isn't gonna fly. So I decided to start diving into, okay, who am I? What do I love to do? Because I, I always wanted to kind of have my own business, I think. So I started to look into that, dive really deep into, into figuring all that stuff out because I started to live the life that so many that I'd seen so many times, which was regretting, you know, d- dreading Monday mornings and, and fear that Sunday afternoon blues and snoozing like eight times. I was like, holy you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm doing you that. Can. I'm good. I'm doing that. And something's got to change. So then I started this whole deep dive and then that took a couple of years. And finally I got to the level of clarity of understanding what I love to do, who I want to serve, the kind of lifestyle I want to lead. And that's what led me in a virus circuitous route to the, excuse me, to the business I now, I now run. And so that's um, the Untamed Entrepreneur. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the um, I started off coaching, just start, you know one on one, cash in hand stuff, just trying to help. Coaching people. what, like life coaching, business coaching? Good question. Uh, it starts off with kind of business coaching, so local businesses that I knew. I was doing it in exchange for like for cash. This was in Perth still. Um, some of it was in exchange for like a physiotherapist was one of my one of my first clients. I was like, yeah, I love this. This is awesome. And then as I started building up, I got myself a website, went through all that kind of stuff, started charging people properly. And then the more I learned about myself and, and realized how powerful the, the foundational the self-awareness stuff is understanding who you are and, and everything that drives you. The more I realized that the coaching I wanted to do was actually that because the business coaching is just surface level. And if you're not happy in your business, yes, you can change your processes and systems. And, but if the underlying beliefs or limiting, limiting uh, beliefs or fears or narratives don't change, then you're not going to change. And I realized that for me to help people and to help them become inspired and aligned with who they truly are, then I needed to get down to that level. So that's when I kind of moved more towards the, the sort of personal coaching with the business stuff 
still attached but not taking a forefront like it used to. So I guess to be able to do that and to coach that, you need to have a pretty good understanding of who you are as a person, yeah. right? So you mentioned you, d- you started to do a bit of a deep dive and you started to kind of figure things out about who you are and maybe a bit more about your um, your passions and uh, and all that sort of stuff. How, how did you start on that journey? Uh, good question. I started by listening to podcasts, the, low, the low-hanging fruit that doesn't cost anything. Um, podcasts, books, I've realized quickly how my environment was crucial and the likes of you, the likes of Shannon, all my, the, the people I was closest to had left Perth and I was kind of one of the only original guys there and, and it was becoming the people I was surrounded by weren't the people I wanted to hang around with. So just changing my environment, going for lunches with people and having Skype calls with people in different countries, I signed up to a, like a mastermind. Um, that was probably one of the biggest things I did. But yeah, starting What's with What's that? This, What's a mastermind? Um, so a mastermind is a group of people and, you know, they're obviously existing various guises, but you get together to help each other out with whether business challenges or life challenges and and there's a certain sort of level or demographic of people with similar challenges and you, you're kind of in that group. And the one we were in was based in North America. I say we because Kim joined later, my wife. Um, and it was like, it was, it was extreme accountability. You had goals every week. You had to set these things. Then they ran events as well. And it was, it was, a, it was an investment of time. It was an investment of money. But it was one of the it was one of the bigger game changes early on because I had to change the I had to change those inputs that were going in if I wanted to change the outputs. So okay, um, uh, were there any other sort of courses and things that you invested in that you think really shifted the needle for you and and kind of put you. Um, on track to figure out who you are one uh and this is this is again some low-hanging fruit that i think i would recommend for to a lot of people it was it's called the talent dynamics um profile test so i i attended a seminar in perth it was just a, a weekend thing like you know a couple of thousand people in a big room and before the seminar you get this free token to do this test and i did the test and i was like this is awesome wow, what is all this about? Then I went and spent the weekend learning about this test, definitely drank the Kool-Aid, but realized how much I'd been missing. Like I'd been up to that point, I'd been like trying to increase or work on my weaknesses uh, rather than doubling down on my strengths. But, you know, you've got to know what your strengths are in order to double down on them. So it's like a double hit. Um, and then on that that weekend, I became the kind of person that I've always always judged. And I signed up to the big package <laughs> from that initial weekend and I was like I was in the queue going oh I'm one of these people now and I was really (laughs) so much self-judgment I was really I basically signed up to fly to Bali a couple of weeks later and do a training course um in this test to become a consultant because I was like this I have to know more about this I have to share this with other people because there's so many people who don't realize the gifts they have and they're just trying to work Mm. in areas that they're not ever going to be brilliant at or ever going to be in flow and that's a big thing so that was one of the big things. Yeah. So the test itself is only $97. So that's the starting point. And then you can pay for a debrief through a proper, uh, you know, a consultant or you don't necessarily have to go the whole hog like I did. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's worked for you though. Oh yeah, 100%. It's, and I still use it with my clients. I still, it's the first thing I share with all my yeah. clients. It's, it's the first thing I make them do because there's so much, so much value you can gain from that simple test. Mm. Yeah, because I imagine like, you must, yeah. So, like, like, who sort of, 
who comes to you? Is it people that have a business that want that want help taking it to another level? Or is it is it people that actually want to figure out their passion, want to figure out their purpose and don't really know where to start? And then if it's those sort of people, then where do they start and how do you help them start? That's a good question. And it's taken me, you know, as you're building up data points, you're trying to, like I'm sure you did with this podcast, it takes you a while to work out, right, who is the, who are the people listening? What are we, what are we actually providing for them in terms of value? And having coached now for like, what, three and a bit years, the thing that unites all of my clients, whether it's men, women, old, young, you know, whatever country they're in, whatever wealth level they have is they are they are a high performer. By high performer, I don't necessarily mean the output. They're not necessarily minted. They're not necessarily top of the world, but they have a, an insatiable need for or a desire for growth to improve themselves, whether it is in their finances or their health or their wealth or their uh, the relationships or themselves, understanding who they are. That's the, that's the most common thread. Um, and that can apply to a lot, mostly entrepreneurs, but there's a big percentage of people I work with who are employees and they don't necessarily have a desire to run their own business but they're not basically the people who come to me they think they they want to reach their potential they know there's something more they don't know what's missing they don't know what they don't know and yeah there are blind spots there and they want to work on those and that's the that's the biggest thing and some people come to me like hey I'm having a great time but I think there's more and some people like I'm at my wits end let's just break out of this cycle do you, do you think, Jim, that everybody has a passion or do or you purpose. think, or, or, or a purpose, or do you think that some people just don't feel passionately about anything? I feel like I'm one of those people. I like a lot of things, but I don't think I'm passionate about any one thing. Do you apart, just think apart, I haven't found apart it Apart from art, obviously, yeah. Apart from art and Milo, very passionate about my little family. Oh, and, and, and Buster. But what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? There's a, that's an interesting topic. And I think passions, the term passions has been overused a lot. And I think it's very mis, it can be misconstrued. And we see people on TV who are so clearly passionate about something. We think, why aren't I like that? Why, why, why isn't my thing on the surface? And I can't remember who wrote it, but there's, there's a book about most people actually, their passions aren't on the surface. They're the anomaly. They're, they're the exception. Most people have to dive underneath and scratch away at the surface to uncover what that passion is. And mo- if you sit there and meditate, the chances of your passion landing on your lap are very slim. I had to right. dig into what my passion was. My passion was, I learned what my passion was after digging into myself and realizing, wow, that's the, the gap between where I was then and where I am now. Oh my God, this is amazing. I need to help other people do that. So my passion was brought, brought out of that, but there had been clues throughout my life that I'd ignored that, that could have pointed towards that. And that's what I'm trying to help people with. It's like, piece together these moments in your life where there's lots of data that you've already experienced. And I would go, and I would do the same for you if we were to have a chat about this. We would say, right, what are the moments in your life where you've been most in flow when time was f- passing by and you were successful, you are challenged, but you had more energy at the end than you did at the begin- beginning? Like, what were those moments for you throughout your life when you were young, old, work, play? Get all the data from that and then we'll start like narrowing down because there is a passion. There's a passion underneath mm. there. It's just for most people, if they can't see it immediately, they go, oh, I just don't have one, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. So I guess that's basically like finding those moments where you have been most in line with your truth. 
right? And then like figuring out what your truth is. And well, I say this because I did some energy healing last week and and some of my affirmations that I was given was that I need to be okay with speaking my truth and finding my truth. And I'm not entirely sure what that means yet, but it was kind of a a good start, I guess, in terms of what you're saying of like diving deep and finding those moments of when I'm in in flow. I I really like that. And then kind of working back from there, figuring it out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just on that, Jimmy, what is flow state? Flow state was a term coined by a guy called Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, some catchy uh, Hungarian title guy. Uh, He was a, in the field of positive psychology before it was really a thing. And he deter- he determined that flow. And by the way, flow can also be like in the zone. You've heard athletes talk about being in the zone or musicians or whatever. Sure. So there, it's those moments in your life when you're like completely absorbed in a task or an activity, and the whole world could be exploding around you, and you wouldn't know because you're you're sort of you're so zoned in on that one particular task. And a cru- crucial element is your your challenge just enough for it to be interesting and stimulating, not too much that it's frustration uh, frustrating but not too little that it's boring mm. and usually you're you you succeed in that thing to some degree or another and then crucially and this is the difference i like to add is you have more energy at the end of doing that task or activity than you did at the beginning so i love that i'm going to come off this interview with more energy than i went into it because i love this kind of stuff i get the same from coaching calls i don't get the same from writing emails I don't, I don't get the same from... I don't know anyone that does. <laughs> some people... Yeah, good point, actually. Bad example. Some people prefer to... So much, surely. Some people prefer to make a video, create an online course, whatever. I prefer to interact. You guys, you know, whether it's podcasting, art, I know you, you like sort of high-level strategy and brainstorming and, you know, you've got that creative side of you. And there's so much... There's so many clues in those moments because we can have them when we're... When we're seven... One of my one of my mm. one of my biggest moments was when I realised that ski instructing would be my favourite job up to that point. And on the surface, ski instructing and, and doing what I do now bear very few similarities. But ultimately, I was in an in an awesome environment where I could choose to be. I, I didn't know how any lesson was going to go. I didn't know who these people were. So there's a lot of uncertainty and variety. I was obviously sort of the the coach or the teacher or the mentor. I was playing that role. I could connect with them on a really deep level, and then the next day we'll all look different again. And there's that's exactly the same as what as my as my coaching business right now. So that's just an example of how you can take two set seemingly disparate examples and, and actually join the dots. And ah, right. So there's there's some strong connections here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes brilliant. so much sense. So okay, so so say people are listening now and they're like, okay, well, I want to figure out what my when I'm in my flow state. What are the questions they need to ask themselves to try and figure that out? You know, one is one is what what's an activity or what's a something that you do that gives you more energy after you finish doing it. What are some other things? So the firstly, and, I, and this goes back to what you were talking about, Matty, where you say where you say I want to speak my truth. I don't necessarily know what that is. There's a, it's about being in tune with when you have been in your truth in the past because you've been through it and you've experienced it and you go, oh right, what did that feel like? And then honing in on what that feeling is and, and then for being able to recognize it again. So with a, with flow states, just all I say is just go, go back and come up with as many examples as you want, but like three to five moments in your life when you perceive that you were in flow. 
based on the description that, you know, we've just gone through. And I'd like to, and I encourage people to come up with a wider, a wide range of examples. So young, old, professional, sporting, family, and see what the commonalities are. And then I, I asked them to break it down into, into a few component parts. Number one is what was the task or the activity that you were doing? Were you playing football? Were you, were you brainstorming? Were you, you know, coaching? Who were you with? Were you by yourself? Were you with a team? Was the team familiar to you? Were they unknowns? Were they clients? Were they family? What environment were you in? Was it a boardroom? Was it a classroom? Was it a sports field? Was it on the top of a mountain? What was the impact that you had? Did you elevate people? Did you stop people crying? Did you solve a problem? Did you pacify an argument? And what was your role in all of that? So were you the the pacifier? Were you the coach? Were you the supporter helping somebody else? Were you the, the question asker? Um, and then you can go down. And if you break all those moments into that, you've got so many little data points now and you can start to build up a picture. And then because you just programmed your brain to realize the importance of these things, your reticular activating system, you will then go on to notice these things more. Like it, tomorrow you'll do a podcast interview and you go, whoa, I really am flow doing that. Oh, cool. Why? Well, because of this and this. Why am I also? And then you just, over time, you just hone that and get more and more accurate. Yeah. So it just kind of seems like you're teaching the ultimate self-awareness of just constantly thinking, how is this impacting me how how am I impacting these people and yeah I guess that's that's kind of the the crux of it absolutely what, what, what gets measured gets managed and if you if you don't know if you're blind or ignorant to what's happening how you feel if you've got all of these stories about yourself if you've got a narrative that isn't true you just ignore all this stuff that your heart or your gut or your instincts are trying to tell you that they're, they're screaming out at you all the time and you've got to be able to listen to that. So when when you did the energy healing and they say, hey, you've got to start you know, speaking your truth, it starts with being awareness as to what does incongruence and congruence feel like? What's the difference? Because if you listen to it, you'll know. You'll know the difference yeah. when you say something or do something that doesn't feel quite right. You go, right, okay, maybe that's yeah. not my truth. Why not? Oh, okay, well, that felt better. Why? Well, that may be my truth because of X, Y, and Z. And you, same with flow state exercise. You just build up that picture as you go. Mm. Yeah, I think heaps of people can relate to that. Eh? It's it, it also you know makes me think about just listening to your gut and following your gut and the idea of that. And you and you you know deep down if something is you know if mm-hmm. it's the right decision for you. Well, it's also I I think when when you start to convince yourself for logical reasons, I feel like that's the time when you're going against your your gut. And you say, well, I guess it could 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 be good financially, or it could be good for for yeah. this, like. Maybe it could, you know, lead on to better mm. things. It's a classic moment of, like, I feel like when I do that, I know that it's not the right decision because I'm almost trying to talk myself into it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like your true self knows and then your untrue self is yeah. trying to convince your true self. Yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. And usually you've made that you've made that decision. So we make our decision with our emotional brain first, the oldest form of our brain, and then we use our logical brain, our neocortex, to justify that decision and... Um, Mark Manson talks about it in his second book. Um, he says it's like the consciousness car. You've got two, mm-hmm. the two sides of your brain in the passenger side seat and in the driver's seat. And the logical, rational brain, the bit that you just said, Matty, is the one saying, yeah, well, this, no, this would definitely work. And you throw logic at it. 
that part of your brain thinks it's driving. <laughs> but it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not. It's in the passenger seat. Your emotional brain is driving. It's like driving down the road. He goes, oh, I want to go left because I'm afraid of what may be in front. Or the left just looks more exciting and it just swerves left. And then the rational brain holds up the map going, yes, yes, I wanted to turn left because um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a quicker route to where we're going. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad I made that call. And yeah, yeah, totally. You can't ever combat that because that's where your brain is wired, but you just got to open up that communication between the two. And, and having people around you to do that is crucial. Mm. Having people who don't buy into that story. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, totally. Because you do, I mean, we obviously have those both kind of sides of our brain for a reason, you know, like we can't just always be listening to our gut. We do need to analyze things and we probably do need to think rationally about things from time to time. So yeah, how do you know? How do you know when to do what? How do you know who to listen to? I'm not even going to profess to know the answer to that question. I think you've just got to if learn you as you go. Man, then yeah. you'd be a billionaire. You've just got to look at it. There is a lot of yogi types. And if you go to um, if you go to Ubud in Bali, you'll find them in a very densely populated area where they, they are listening to their heart to the extreme to the detriment of the people around them. And I'm, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm being judgmentally and from a distance, but for the purposes of humour and, and context, there's people who go, I just did it because it felt right. It was like, yeah, but you know how many people you pissed off doing that? Like, do you know how many people you're <laughs> upset? That's an example of following yeah. the heart too much. And then you've got the people who follow the head too much. And most people come to me because they're living in their head way too much. And mm. they, need to, they need to tap into that heart side of them more. Or it could be like say you're signed up to to go to this event right and it's all you know you've rsvp'd you're you're going along to, to this thing and then on the day you think i don't think this is my truth because i can't be bothered going so you know that's <laughs> you sound like this <laughs> is speaking from experience <laughs> well i mean so your gut is like no stay home and just relax take it easy but you know rash <laughs> Have you got an event coming this up? This is the worst. <laughs> Who, who's this is just Maddie. This is Maddie's lazy side coming out and trying to justify that it's okay to be as lazy as she is. Is anybody listening? Have you just invited Art and Matty to something because she's not going? Because <laughs> I'm not coming. <laughs> and it wasn't my Sorry. fault. <laughs> I'm figuring out my truth and it's not your event. So. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, hey, cool tangent. Yeah, great tange. Hey, people living in the head, how, how, like, what are some key indicators that, like, people might be living in the head a little bit too much? They ask how a lot. Okay. Okay, so they go, go on. on a coaching, <laughs> no, just leave it there, mic drop, if I have, I'm just going to drop my, I'm just going to drop my earbuds on the floor, they won't make a noise, because I'm on a couch, but just imagine the impact. But you've explained yeah. it. Yeah, I don't like have it. a thumbs up, Jim. <laughs> so... They want to know what the how, that's the part of our brain that's the logical, rational side. So let's say, you know, they're, they're on a call with me or they're having a chat with somebody and they think they've got a challenge and somebody says, hey, you should maybe start listening to your truth more, Matty, because it seems to me like there's signs where you may not be allowing that side of you to flourish and you may be afraid or whatever. And you say, well, how do I do that? That's your, right. that, that's the head, that's the rational, logical brain that needs to know an answer. And it's also the masculine side as well the masculine piece of our brain that wants to have a beginning and an end. It wants to know what it's dealing with and have a plan. And the feminine mm. side, the, that's more pragmatic and more fluid and dynamic and more open to being like, oh, cool, I'm okay with that. I'm, I have a new thing to think about and I don't need to have an answer right away. 
Um, yeah. So if you hear yourself asking, yeah, but how do I do that? Or, or other people saying, yeah, but tell me how. Give me the steps. Give me the one, two, three formula to work that out. That's just its head. They're not listening to what's going on in here. Most of the time, what's going on? In, and I'm, I'm, for the purposes of the audio, I am putting my hand on my heart or upper torso. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's going on in there is already, it, it, it already knows and you just got to listen to it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm inspired already. Um, Wait, uh, yeah. Um, oh, okay. one, one, one thing you touched on. Pre- <laughs> I'm inspired already. Yeah, yeah. saying totes, totes inspired. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Um, yeah, so inspiring. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I just wanted to touch on something you mentioned before, Jim. You um, said that, you know, people can't really, they can't find their passion or their purpose just through meditation. And um, that's something I definitely agree with. But I also think, um, for me anyway, I find that meditation is a, a part of helping me to find my purpose and figure things out. <laughs> Maddie's having a blowout. <laughs> Sorry, something's just, that, that really tickled me, Jim. Sorry, I'm trying to just um, con- contain my laughter. Continue. Compose yourself, darling. <laughs> anyway, what I want to know is, is meditation part of the journey for people? Yes. Um, sorry, well, not answering for other people. It was a big part for me. And I don't mean to dumb down the, the significance or the impact meditation can have because I do meditate and I went through a phase of meditating five times a week. I remember when I stayed at your place, I was in like my most um, Nazi mode of like, get up at five, do the miracle morning, do this, do that. And that was that was that's another topic for another conversation. That was because of I didn't trust myself enough at that point. I'm way more relaxed about it. Meditation still plays a part. Meditation allows and if you do it to the extreme like a silent meditation or whatever if you think about the analogy of a, of a bottle of fluid there's like sediment in the bottom basically by when we're usually in a day-to-day we're just shaking that bottle all around we, you know sorry we're not the bottle stays there the sediment stays at the bottom sorry and we never get to to what those that sediment represents our fears or our concerns or our truth or whatever we never get to that because the life is you know the top of the bottle and it's always in the way meditation or just tapping into that, whatever format it takes for you. That allows you to uncover that, that bottom stuff by shaking it up. It brings, brings it to the surface. So yeah, meditation is a great way of tapping into the emotion. And it got me way more aware of what was going on. Like when my heart rate would elevate in a certain situation or when I'd get scared in a certain situation, the meditation allowed me to see that more readily than prior when I was way less aware. But by itself, mm. it's not enough. You need to take action need to learn and try try new things be purposeful take things new things on board take risks drop things you know be purposeful every step but action and introspection are both equally important mm. so miracle morning is out for you guys now i still do it to, to an extent nowhere near the same level i mean that wasn't sustainable for show no. um i still do my stretching in the mornings i meditate every now and again i do journaling when i feel like it it's a lot, it all comes down to what feels right. So I do my stretching sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening. I get up early. I don't have an alarm. Again, following what my body or, or heart's trying to tell me. I get up when I feel like it. I meditate when I feel like it. I journal when I feel like it. And that sounds really, really blasé and apathetic, but it's the opposite. It's like just rather than forcing it, it's going with the flow. 
Yeah. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I feel I feel like that's where I'm at right now as well. But I feel like I've had to go through a lot of structure and trying out of different formats of of things until I am now at a place where I feel like I can trust um, and listen to my body and do things, uh, you know, at certain times. So like, you know, I've been through phases when I've been very strict on meditation. Um, yeah, same with you. I've been like journaling. I've been very strict on my diet. I've been very, you know, strict on exercise in certain ways. And then now I am. So, I feel like I'm so much more in touch with my body and my mind. And now I know. I just and you know what it. it needs and when it needs it. And yeah, but I think I did need to go through a lot of trial and error. And I still do go through phases where I'm like, cool, I'm gonna, you know, this month I'm gonna try and eat a certain way, and or you know, just do little experiments to keep myself guessing and keep myself learning. I think. Absolutely. And, that, and tr- it does come down to trust, doesn't it? Because you now know that when you need to, you can tap into that side of you. You can be disciplined. You can do this. You can do that. You don't necessarily need to 100% of the time. And that's, that's massive. We Kiwis love a good avo. We also love supporting New Zealand businesses. Fresh, locally sourced produce not only tastes good, but does good for the planet too. The team at the Avo Tree have perfected the supply of the humble avocado, delivering the best quality fruit from their Bay of Plenty orchards to your doors without middlemen or cold storage. Just perfect every time, tasty as avocados. The Avo Tree have been in the business of supplying delicious, reliable avocados along with the best advice in the biz for over five years. They work alongside friends, neighbours and local growers to supply kiwis with the freshest avocados at side-of-the-road prices. Avos are super rich in healthy fats and essential nutrients. Perfect for your smoothies and your salads, and we're loving them for baby food. There's plenty to read on Avo nutrition, ripening tips, and yummy recipes over on the Avo Tree website. Discover a whole new world of fresh at www.theavotree.co.nz, where you can explore a range of box and fruit sizes, and if you're Avo obsessed like we are, pick up an avocado subscription and keep your fruit bowls stocked. Plus, the awesome folk at the Avo Tree have generously offered well and good listeners 15% off their first box. All you need to do is use the promo code well and good at checkout. That's all lowercase, one word, well and good. Yes! Yes! Going back to Miracle Mornings, that's, um, can you explain what that is? Matt, Maddie and I actually started doing it after, after we saw you and Kim doing it. Um, yeah, can you, can you run us through what that is? All it is, is, well, it's a book for a start. Um, it's a book by Hal Elrod. And it is, it talks you through a structure. And it was a few years ago since I read the book, so this won't be the most in-depth book review. But it talks through a, a, um, an acronym called SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. And each one of those represents a, a routine or, an, or a, an activity to do in the morning. And you can do it. They typically say, well, spend an hour doing it, but you can also do like condensed ones in half an hour or 10 minutes. And again, the acronyms are escaping me, but along the lines of journaling, which is the S for scribe, I think. They just did whatever they could do to make a word. <laughs> Obviously, they just they found a normal bunch of letters for what it is. And well, that makes no word. So let's just make new ones up. Um, yeah. Meditation, journaling, exercise, um, Creativity or something? Shower. One of them was like learning a new skill, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Something like that. It was a long yeah. time ago. It was one of the most impactful books I ever read, actually, because it was when I needed to trust myself more. I didn't trust myself because I was snoozing and I, I was like getting out of bed at 7, 7.30 and then 
after reading that, I was like, well, I'm going to have a miserable time at work, but I may as well love what I do, take control of that first two hours of my day. So that's when I started getting up at five and, and you know, win the morning, win the day, start my, uh, my energy levels. For all those of you who can't see this, I'm putting my hand up as if on a Y-axis where my energy levels are supposedly high and then dropping down throughout the day. Above your head. Above my head, <laughs> dropping down to around the mid-torso range. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's a, the print. The principle is you take control of your morning because that's when mm. that that is the time when you have the most control. Depending on what it is you do, what your lifestyle is like, you typically have less distractions in the morning. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, nothing nothing can pop up that sort of prevents you from doing it. There's no meeting happening at well, five a.m. Apart from, from phones, that's the big one. That like, yeah, who's, I, I like who's, I, fo- whose phone is on at that time in the morning? People would, you know. I know a lot. Oh, no. Like I mean, um, social media. Yeah, but who's so like if the, scrolling? If the, if the phone is not on, then it won't be a distraction. Oh, I see what you mean. I'm, yeah. all, I'm just being, I'm just being mean to... and holding you accountable to making sure your phone is not on <laughs> in the first half an hour hour of your day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, mine. It's sort of like I go through stages, and then it kind of just creeps back in. It must it? have something wrong with the, your phone itself. Like the software, yeah, like it just switches out of airplane mode or something. It's amazing it? how that happens. Yeah. And Instagram just opens up. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of that. Oh. But you know, just, like, and it just scrolls all by itself. <laughs> but again, I, I think it's okay to to go through these peaks and troughs because nobody can be perfect all the time in terms, mm. terms of their like good wellness habits or their health habits or whatever. And I, I feel like it's those times where you kind of get back into your old ways of like. You wake up, you scroll straight away, you press snooze a few times and you think, oh, crap, I've gone back to to that. Now I'm going to start making the changes. I'm going to get back. I'm going to feel good again. Then maybe a few of them fall off again. And, and, and I feel like we beat ourselves up so much for that. But it's it's natural. Like it's okay to, to, to kind of go through peaks and, and troughs. It's just life. I'm, I'm glad you said that because one of the things I, I wanted to mention at some point in this chat is, is, is how – self-judgment can be so much more costly than the act itself um the, mm. the guilt we give ourselves it's like someone one of the guys the one of the, the top egoscue trainers he, he was on a podcast and he said the 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 slice of pizza can say is eating the slice of pizza is less costly than the judgment you give yourself for eating that slice of pizza afterwards and it's, it's the, so true and it's the same for missing a day of meditation skipping leg day art um or you know never i never yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the diary nothing to skip um <laughs> exactly and it's that self-judgment yeah. and yes we have to give ourselves a certain amount of of accountability to to maintain those levels but but self-judgment has to be we have to be aware of it because it it doesn't serve anybody no no exactly and and i feel like um we we judge ourselves so harshly in the social media environment now too because it seems like everyone else has it all together and everyone mm. else is doing the miracle morning or they're like meditating every day or they're running every day and they're fit and doing all of this great stuff and you think, why can't I stick to this? Like, why can't I do this every day? Why can't I do this? So, so I'm going to force myself until it's really unenjoyable, you know, and, and that just, it doesn't serve, serve anyone. I think if we all just cut ourselves a little bit of slack and just do what we can and do things that, that we enjoy, do more of that, do less of the stuff that that makes us feel like shit. Have that's more fun. Gonna, and have more fun. And I that's going to move fun. us in the direction of our purpose, do you think? 
hundred percent. And I think I like I was talked about. I went through that phase of of having extreme taking extreme action for a while but that wasn't sustainable and, and i know from a from a dietary point of view art you 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 agree with me on this one and having anything any new habit any new change of behavior having it sustainable is so much more important than the than the initial impact if you have an extreme diet you go on for a week but you can't maintain it beyond you know a week or two then there's absolutely no value there and you'll probably go the the opposite way at the end of that if you have a miracle morning routine, like most people do, especially when I was in my, you know, that sort of very um, vociferous evangelical phase of telling everyone to do it, most people would do it for, for the month and go, this is amazing, and then drop off completely. What I suggest is anything you do, you make it sustainable. If it's journaling, if it's meditating, if it's, um, if it's watching YouTube videos to, to learn a new skill in your business, if it's anything just make it sustainable rather than seven times a week make it three times a week i did exercise mm. for years i never got uber fit but i did exercise i did it four times a week and for me exercise has to be at least uh, 12 minutes and that's it and as a result i did yeah. exercise four times a week for, for three or four years that was mm. all like that and you called it fizz i love that oh yeah <laughs> I'll I, forget, that. I forget who i'm talking fizz to it. yeah um, we called it fizz, yeah, doing fizz, and that and that was it. It was sustainable, and it and it was way more impactful for me than training for a try. I mean, how many people do you know train for an Ironman and then get fat? <laughs> I know I only know three Iron Men, and two of them um, get yeah. fat in between Ironmans. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing because it's so extreme. Well, it's like bodybuilders; like a lot of them kind of come out the other side, yeah, and. They get pretty fat after well, going through bodybuilding because I've, it's so restrictive and it's so intense that you can't sustain it. Mm. Then as soon as it's over, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be all food. But also going back to that sustainability in terms of whatever you're doing, you want it to be sustainable. I do definitely agree with that. And I uh, have things in my life that I practice at a certain level so that I know it's sustainable and sustainable ongoing. But I also think that I've got value out of doing things for a, you know, just like a month of a certain type of eating or a month of a certain type of exercise, that it hasn't been sustainable to do that. But I've actually learned a lot from doing that. And like doing the miracle morning thing, you know, I was doing, I think I did that for a solid month and I actually really liked it. I liked the structure and it introduced me to some new ways of thinking and, and like making time for uh, learning, um, you know, during the day. Because before that, I, I probably, uh, you know, I wouldn't take time to read a book, uh, you know, learn, learn something new. But then this was like forcing me to do that. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually a really important part of of developing myself. And so I actually want to incorporate that into my, you know, ongoing thing as a, as a sustainable practice. So, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I, was, I mean, I'm rambling. So. Actually, that, that could have been the, the start of our journey of kind of self-improvement and self-discovery. Because mm. I feel like we've been sort of doing that for the, for the last few years. And actually, now that I think about it, I feel like it was when you um, introduced us to the Miracle Morning, Jim. I feel like that's you're, what you're kind of opened up that little can of worms. <laughs> Is this podcast sponsored by Miracle Morning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't do it anymore, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw that. <laughs> Uh, and what would you say to someone who has found their their purpose and they know what they want to do, um, but they're nervous about taking the plunge? Mm. What what would you say to those people? I would firstly dig into 
I'd, I would encourage them to dig into what their fears are. What are they afraid of? Are they afraid of, because there's a load of fears that crop up and they're all rational and we can justify them till the cows come home. Um, are they afraid of being judged for switching because they've invested, or you know, sometimes their parents invested in their education. They don't want to, they don't want to waste that. Or they'll, you know, whenever we change tack, we're accepting that we made a mistake in the first time around. So is it the sunk cost fallacy that's keeping us where we are? That's why we hold on to our losing stocks for so long. Because selling them is us admitting that we made a bad choice in the first place. That's a that's a huge fear. And I was I you know I had a I had a, a discovery call, a strategy call with a woman two days ago. And I shouldn't be shocked by this because I hear it so often. But one of the reasons why I said, okay, if you were open to the idea, she'd been working the same industry for 15, 20 years. Let's assume, would you be open to the fact that your calling, your passion, purpose may involve not being in the industry, may involve a different path? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we could, yeah, that may be a thing. Right. Okay. And how would, how would that feel? How would you feel if you had all those amazing things you just described, but in that new thing? What would you feel about changing course? I'd feel really guilty. I'd feel really bad. Bad about what? About all the fun I could have been having for the last 15 years. Mm. Right. So you're going to continue working in the job that you're doing and not having fun. In order to save the the port, the negative feeling you'll get from realizing the guilt, the fun that you've missed. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, how about yeah. you just draw a line in the sand and start having fun from now, rather than continuing to not have fun? Like, which is which is best? But that's it's such a it's such a common it's such a common fear for us all. Um, so that I to answer your question, I would dive into what that fear is and then say, okay, well, let's talk about that. Is that rational? Is it logical? Is it going to serve you? Because if we start making decisions, there's two kind of sides of the coin. There's making decisions of living life out in fear and scarcity, fear of what's around the corner, fear of danger, um, scarcity. What if it was wrong? Scarcity of right. Um, if I'm getting something, if I'm winning, somebody else is losing. There's a scarcity of value there. There's a scarcity of love. There's a scarcity of money. If we're making decisions on that side of the coin then it's, we're never going to be fulfilled and truly happy. And then if on the, on the flip side of that coin is making decisions out of love and abundance. So, okay, if I'm, I'm having a great time, I'm succeeding, I'm gaining in wealth and happiness, and that allows other people to do the same thing. It's not like I'm having and they're, and they're missing out. And, and but that's, you know, there's an abundance of love, abundance of wealth, abundance of happiness. So find out where those fears come from because we don't want to be living our life based on fear. And then say, okay, what are the practical, we can get in our head a little bit, so what are the practical steps we can do to allay some of those fears? Do we want to meditate around it? Do we want to start reframing those fears in our mind to think of the opposites? What? Okay, so if there's a fear around that, what is the opposite opportunity that could be created from that? I would tell them to change their environment for, to be around people who support that new path, whatever it may be, because that is essential. If you're surrounded by people who want to hold you down, like the tall poppy syndrome, if you're surrounded by people who want to do that, you never your chances of, of of making that leap are so slim. So change the environment, and then you don't have to jump off without a parachute. Some people that works, but for most people, it's like, okay, how can I get it up and running while simultaneously while I'm in my job? That's what I did. You know, I was continuing to save, I was continuing to invest and learn, grow myself. Started coaching on the side, and then I switched. That was the, that's what worked for me. Some people need to switch immediately and burn the boats, and some people need to 
be overlapping for years and until their salaries match, then they switch. It's, you've just got to learn what's best for you. Yeah, that's cool, man. And I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, the talk about an environment, you know, I, I, um, I read a book called Willpower Doesn't Work and it's one of my, yeah, one of my favorite books in terms of guiding me to figure out, you know, how to actually live a life that I want to live. And it's all about just putting things in place and surrounding yourself with an environment that is conducive to how you want to live. hundred percent. And, you know, like whether it's, I don't know, say you want to follow a certain diet, it's like, you know, don't have any of the food that you don't want to eat in your house mm. and just have all the food that you do want to eat that's conducive with that diet surrounding you. So then you're not having to rely on your willpower. Um, anyway, that's just one example, but that's, that's definitely a book that I found super useful. I, lo- I love it. And the, one, of the, one of the things that I learned that for me was so impactful is like there's a difference between motivation and inspiration and willpower. When you need willpower for something, that's a sign that you're motivating yourself to do something. You do it because you see the results, but you don't necessarily, you're not inspired by that act. And to do that, you require energy. So by the end of that thing that you've motivated yourself for, whether it's going to, you know, going into work, going to do exercise or whatever, there's a net loss in energy at the end of it because you've used willpower, you've used calories to do it. On the opposite side to that, there's inspiration and inspiration, like when you're in flow, that provides energy. There's a net gain. And if you're doing things, if you have things in your life, people around you who inspire you, you're, you're, you're serving customers who you're inspired to serve in a way that you're inspired to do, then you don't need all of the willpower to do all of the other things. So when people tell me, oh, I'm drained by the end of the day or at the end of the day, I've got no willpower left. I eat ice cream. I do this. That's a sign that they've been using willpower and calories all day long. And that for me, that's a sign that they're not inspired by what they're doing in their life. They're motivated to do it. And that's not sustainable either. And that's why Miracle Morning works best in the morning because we have more energy then. So we can make those tough choices early on. But by the end of the day, we're depleted. But not if you're inspired. That's a beautiful way to put it. Um, Yeah, between motivation and inspiration. I love that. Yeah. Well, so tell, can you tell us just um, a little bit more about uh, Untamed, Untamed Entrepreneur and like how, so if people like did want to contact you and get you to help them, how do they do it? What do you do? You're based all around the world, so everything's all via the internet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a digital nomad or as my brother calls it, a computer gypsy. Um <laughs> I want, like computer gypsy. Yeah, yeah, I like your brother. Yeah, if you, if you ever want a little pick me up, go and speak to Sam. Um, so they can the usual channels. My website is um, untamedentrepreneurs.com. Um, we have a Facebook community, a Facebook group um, with a really long title. But if you type in Untamed Facebook group, it will it will come up. We'd love to have you in there. Um, we've got a couple of Kiwis in there already. Um, and yeah, you can book a call and sign up to my mailing list. Uh, there's a load of ways. And if you want, if you want to dive deep, if you think there's something in you that you, you know, resonated with what we talked about and you're like, shit, that's it. You've just put them, you've hit the nail on the head. I've got more to add then. Yeah. Have a book a call. I'd love to have a, a, a strategy session with you. We can dive into it. And I love those conversations. So if it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. As long as I can help and add value, then, then I would love to. Oh, brilliant. And 
Final question, Last John? question, yeah. Okay, final oh, question. I'm interested in hearing your answer to this, Jim. Yeah, this will be a good one. So if you Oh, have- I think I know what one of them might be. Hang on, carry on. <laughs> so if you could have three foods and three foods only for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, I love it. This is a question that I ask people, and it's it's if you could live on the cuisines of three countries for the rest of your life, what would it be? <gasps> it's Ooh. a good one. And I always say Italian, French, and a, and a Thai or Japanese. Um, so with that in mind... Because not to make French. it about not to make it about Ooh, me. Sweet, sweet. Mm. Um, no, it is about you. It's your three foods. Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is about me, isn't it? This is awesome. Um, shit, it's got to be variety. It's got to be variety. Italian, it would have to be. Oh, I'm panicking. Um, <laughs> part of me wants to say pizza, but that's is there enough variety in pizza if I could only eat it, and it doesn't exactly fill you with energy. Is pizza allowed? I mean, I don't think pizza's allowed. I'm sorry. We've, oh, um... oh, it has to be paleo, does it? <laughs> <laughs> You're on my podcast, Jim. It's got to be paleo. But we're thinking we condense it to like an ingredient. Yeah, so like yeah. one sorry, food. We should have been more specific. Yeah, one you, food you definitely item. should have been specific because pizza is definitely a yeah. food. <laughs> well, I feel like we we changed. Like we just yeah, you know, we dabble. change it up every time. Yeah, we want three Bread. food ingredients. Bread? Okay. You can have bread. What type of bread? Bloody love bread. Um, from a health, coming at it from a sustainable health point of view, I love a, <laughs> I love a bacon sandwich on a big thick white bread, but it's health-wise, that's not going to fly. So mm. something, a nice uh, seedy, granary-ish bread, but not one of those horrible ones that looks like it's just being dragged along the bottom of a bird's cage. Um, oh, those ones are, yeah, with holes all in it. It's like... <sighs> nah, terrible. Oh, not, yeah. not, not for me, thank you. Um, okay. Hovis, okay. Hovis so, Granary. So if, you, granary. if you're living in England, Hovis Granary is in a blue pack. Get it from all, all the major retail stores, all the big ones. Um, <laughs> so egg. your Hovis Granary bread. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. I love eggs. I eat mm-hmm. probably, and you, you'll probably be able to tell me this because you're way more health conscious food-wise than I am. I eat... <sighs> And 12 eggs a week. Mm. Is that too much? Nah, no, that's fine, man. No, so I don't think eggs. so. I mean, eggs is one of my foods too. Eggs is are it? the perfect food. They're yeah, so, they're great. It, so much variety. So mm-hmm. much variety. So eggs, bread, and they go together, which is obviously a win. And then mm. um, I love, oh, would it be some kind of meat? Lamb. Lamb is my favorite meat. Oh. This is I'm panicking. So you like term. a roast lamb. Laptop's running out of battery, Jim, so you're gonna have to make a decision. <laughs> I've got Oh good. Yeah, you're giving me the hard hard so right, make sure your laptop's charged, pre-record this, do that. Make sure you got a glass of water, have a wee, and you don't even look after your own get your own house in order. <laughs> I haven't had a wee, and I need to have a wee, anyway. Right. So yeah, it didn't sort of sound out. My heart him. is telling me that you guys want to wrap up now, so I'm going to listen to that, and um, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say um, uh, meat, lamb. Uh, can I just have a, a lamb, an entire one, so yep. I can like put, a whole. Yeah, you can use the wool. Yeah. yeah, you can have a young sheep. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Entertainment lamb as well. Bread and eggs. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, that's, yeah. I think. A little friend until you kill it and eat it. <laughs> you could exactly. ride it. <laughs> I wasn't, um, wasn't going to go no, there being a Kiwi-based podcast, but you just did, so. Oh, yeah. oh Kiwis love lamb. Mm. Hey, it's our thing. <laughs> I'm half Welsh, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, I see. I, I've written down um, chips or crisps. I thought that was going to be one oh, of your foods. Oh, I do love crisps. Oh my god, mm. they're the most. What flavor crisps? They're my most addictive food. Yeah. Um, what flavor crisps? Jesus, are you trying to elongate this? Are you trying to piss your pants? What? Are we still talking about? I just this want to talk still about going? crisps. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Talk about crisps. Okay, what's what your favorite crisp? No, what's, what Matt, what's like your favorite crisp? Salt and vinegar, obviously. Oh my what, god, that's the worst. Like a cri- what? Crinkle? Hang on, crinkle cut? Is that some no, kettle? just your stand. Oh, crinkle cuts. Okay, bit too thick for my liking. Like, salt I and like vinegar. Just a thin, crispy salt and vinegar. Extra salt, so it gets on your lips and oh, they sting. No. You try to wind me up. It's the worst. <laughs> what about no? When salt and vinegar is too, it's too much flavor, and then it hurts your tongue. No, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's like eating a oh, whole pineapple and your mouth just shrivels and wants to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> or, no, chicken chips are actually quite nice because nice. I feel like they don't taste like chicken. They just t- taste like this delicious kind of new thing. Made <laughs> <in> the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, listen to your heart. Hey, that's a great chat, Jim. I think we'll leave it there. Really appreciate, appreciate your time, man. <laughs> Awesome. Are you gonna are you gonna edit out the first fifty four minutes and just stick with that interesting value adding bit? The yeah. yeah. People are gonna be like, oh, okay, great podcast. Too much chip chat, really, for me. <laughs> chip yeah. chat. Hey. I like it. <laughs> can you, um, Jim? Can you uh, sign us off with another thumbs up, please? Oh, hang on. Do you want me to use Thanks, my? Man. Do you want me to use my my cripple thumb? The thumb that. What's wrong with that thumb? This one's a normal one. This one, I've got. I lost a tendon, so it's kind of just a bit meh. Mm. The opposite yeah. of a hitchhiker's thumb. For the thumb. benefit of the of the um, recording, his other thumb <laughs> is mangled. <laughs> it's it, it works suboptimally. <laughs> okay, we need to wrap this up, guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. Really Thank cool. you for having me on. Really, really, Bye. real pleasure. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw__collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message and leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.